de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome back to The Colores Radio. Wee! Yo, this is, it feels weird. It does feel weird. Yeah, this dang. is episode 72. It's 2020, our first episode of the new year. New year, twinky twinky. How is everyone? You know, I feel like a whole new person. I can only sing that a much. New fantastic point of view. Oh, mira no más. Did you hear the little <laughs> at the end? Um, we've missed you all. As always, thank you all so much for listening. <clears throat> thank you for your patience. We needed the break. We also got flued out, which was Bruh. a lot of fun. I'm not like, what kind of fucking break is this? <laughs> Stay at home for 10 goddamn days. Cabin fever for two little Shit, extroverts. Ain't lying. Um, we can talk more about that later. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is my homie, co-host, Rafael Retweet Tamayo. What's up? What's good? What's poppin'? Maple Lab, you already know. Brett. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, Rafa, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing... I really do feel better. The flu kicked my ass. Doesn't it make you question your entire life a little bit? It does. Bit? You think you're dying and yeah. you're like, what am I it's doing with cool. my life? You're sitting there staring out the window and it's fucking raining. <laughs> my God. But then it also makes you think like all those other days I thought I wasn't feeling well. Apparently yeah. that's me in my best form. Yeah. Because right now exactly. I can't feel anything <laughs> and I'm sweating a lot. Yeah, it was crazy. It was <sighs> wild. But... You know, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, my God. I thought he was going to not do it. Look at that. Misogyny is over. The patriarchy no longer exists. Because I didn't get the flu. Y'all did. Oh, Pat, why are you yelling at us? we ain't got the flu no more. You don't have to cover your face up. Now you got to worry about corona or whatever. Real. Yeah. My child contagion. Oh, my God. Anyways, I am all right. Um, I literally as soon as i was ready to jump into the year the flu hit me and so like i feel like i'm i barely recovered last week from that because yeah. i still have a cough and i feel like i still sound kind of congested yeah so i am feeling positive and hopeful and there's a lot of exciting things happening in 2020 so i feel good about that um but with that said i i want to know what is really going on with you rafael because I don't feel like we've communicated in depth in a while. Okay. And I don't know where your life is at the moment. Oh, damn. What you're going through. What's your internal temperature? (laughs) I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. All dogs go to hell. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for me mood. Go, Rafi. So I told you about this. I feel like I've seen a world of memes since we last recorded. I honestly agree. The internet's been wild. So I had bookmarked this earlier, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta hold on to it. And there's been, you know, some gems that I've come across after, but this little boy, this child, is my mood. Okay. Um, he's standing up in a car seat and what I believe is his mom 
is asking him to sit down, and he has this look on his face, completely unfazed, and is undoubtedly going to stay standing up in the car seat. So I'm going to let y'all hear it real quick. This video stresses me out. I'm going to have to, you know what? I think this is going to be my first tweet of 2020. Wow. We love to I'm gonna see it. I'm going to have to retweet it. You have to share your memes this year. That's. I will. I'll do. I'll do at least that. I'm making that your um, New Year's resolution. That'll be my resolution to share at least to tweet my meme moods. I will do that. You promise. Promise. Wow. You Hold heard it here first, folks. Breaking news. Dude, wow, I'm tired of holding men accountable. It's okay, though. Um, so my me mood is none other than the legend himself. Can anybody take a guess? It's not very hard. Jesus? You've got it. We're going back to Catholic school, folks. No, um, it is the legend Adam Ray Okay. Doing, <laughs> I can't even listen to it without laughing. Um, so I would love to talk to Adam Ray. Mm-hmm. He's from San Antonio, from what I can tell. From where? San Antonio. San Antonio. So Maria made me do a video. Whatever. I don't know how TikTok works, really. I've decided to purposely step away from it. Ooh, that was me. Um, because not step away from it. I never got on it because I was deeply addicted to Vine and I spent countless hours and I don't want to do that. Yeah. But TikTok's a fun place, even though I heard they were like mad racist and shit. Of course, all these entities, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, y'all know me. Sorry. But, um, it's fun to see people like make a whole career out of like a personality. And so Adam Ray, okay, did like, um, like a very like kind of like how do i describe this i don't know how to describe this you know this girl she's um what um um will you be my friend would call a letty like probably eating hot cheetos in class yeah um and he has like a fake terrible contour his eyelashes are like on his fucking um eyebrows yes exactly it's just a legendary look and then this other girl marlene started stepping him stepping in them and reacting to his yeah Maria made me do one with him. I thought it was dumb. She thought it was funny. Um, but I don't want to do the one with me. That's embarrassing. Um, anyways, the, he's definitely my me mood. We love someone who like has fun with gender and just enjoys, um, you know, like this whole voice. Bring your friends too. <laughs> so that was about a hickey um it's so fun it's so cute i love it um anyways that's my me mood it couldn't be anybody else because he really is killing it and now marlene who is doing the reaction ones to his is also hilarious and great so i think the meme year is starting really strong the forecast seems um to it's it's gonna be a good year for memes because anytime something bad happens we react in comedy 
as a coping mechanism, even in unhealthy situations like the Iran situation. <coughs> and that's all the tea I have on that for today. So thanks. <laughs> now we will discuss how last episode we gathered around the chimney one last time for the decade with all special edition of the juice called the wine. The wine. You like that? I'm okay. Thanks, pal. <coughs> Excuse me. Now we're in a whole new decade. Wow, that was my eyeball. It just fell out of my socket. That was weird. Um, now we're in a whole new decade, and there's already plenty to talk about. But before we get into that, I want you to share with us what's going on with you for real, Rafa. What are you doing? What are you up to? Is it just all work and no play? All work and no play. That, again, uh, the flu. We really had the flu, y'all. We don't know how we got it. Like that it. shit was crazy. I actually don't understand it because I went to a party that night that I saw you. Nobody from the party got the flu. Yeah. Um, Megan, who I had seen two days prior, had it. Then I literally shook your hand that night. Yeah. And you got it. <clears throat> we didn't share drink with nothing. Yeah. Maria got it. And who else got it? Jessica, my roommate, got it. Everybody got it. And yeah, I felt so terrible because I was like, was it me? And then I was like, where did we get the flu? How did the flu happen? I don't understand these things. So I think it might have come from a bat and a pig. <sighs> and, and a, a terrible movie with Gwyneth Paltrow for five minutes. <laughs> Anyways, the flu was bad. Yeah, it was really it bad. It knocked us out for a week. Yeah, both it was of us. crazy because like, I literally had so many meetings and so much work shit to and do. And we were supposed to start that week. Yeah, and I had to cancel everything. Yeah. I was answering emails from my cell phone. Dang. Like um, That day that I got it, I was supposed to come into work for a meeting. I literally like, ga- like gathered all of my energy, and I was sweating. I was freezing, and then I was like sweating, and I was hot. I was sweating and I was freezing yeah. and I was like, what the hell? So I came in. The second I sat down, I had to get up to get something. And then my body was saying, no, you can't do it. And I went straight to the doctor like, yeah, you got the flu. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I was like, well, even if I have the flu, I'm pushing through. Yeah, but outside of that, you know, we're gearing up for a lot of work here. We're going through some transitions here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Our man, G, Gerardo Aww. Robles, gallery coordinator, is going to be transitioning over to the Majestic. We have a lot out. of stuff lined up. So we're getting ready for that. You know, De Colores, we got a lot of stuff um, on, on, the, uh, on the agenda that we're trying to get ready for. Um, this year is officially going to be the 10-year anniversary for the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. Oh, wow. So we're already starting those conversations. Um, yeah, so we have a whole lot. To, to work on and we're we're uh what about outside of work life outside of work life i uh am not taking any days off it's unhealthy it is unhealthy um i read somewhere that at least one day a week helps ward off like certain diseases and things like that so, so two i really days really helps yeah so I'm going to okay. try to at least schedule one day where I'm just like completely. That's good. Yeah. So we'll see how that you goes. You should do more than that. But I know I you can't. But yeah, we'll see. Or you choose not to kind of. Eh, this know. is like me being shady towards myself as well. Not just you. <laughs> okay, good. I was like attacked. No, not trying yeah. to. I'm just like, I'm the same yeah. way. I'm like, yeah, you should rest. And then I'm like, yeah, Sunday at three, we can have a meeting. Perfect. Um. Yeah. So we were, we had the flu. That was fun. I felt really bad because I felt like I gave it to everybody. Even though I don't really know how it was passed. I don't know. Whatever. 
but we're mostly better now, which is good. And like he said, we have a lot of exciting things planned. I know I personally, outside of just the colores in my own work, um, I'm looking for a lot of change and trying different things. So that's exciting. And we can share more about that during self-care and all the end of the episode things. So we are going to jump into the juice. This is the juice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. Do, do, do. That was cool. Was it? Did you like that? Yeah, nice little musical melodic intro that was a lot of words yes um so there was a few things happening in puerto rico um they were having multiple earthquakes Mm -hmm. and then also recently i'm not sure how they found the supplies but a lot of supplies that was unused from all the devastations of last year was found Mm mm-hmm and so then, of course, they naturally were like rioting because they should be because they're all they've just been in survival mode yeah. for over a year now. Um, so I just quickly wanted to highlight some of the places to donate because I feel like. I mean, even if I say these places and hopefully people do actually donate or look into it and really gain knowledge about this, um, that it's actually really, I don't even know the proper word to dis to, to describe how we really just <clears throat> threw this shit to the side. And then even the multiple earthquakes that were happening are, are also terrifying to consider, Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. I am going to try to be more intentional about what we are focusing on with the juice this year. Um, I don't want to cover stuff that is as heavy, but we, that's the kind of pattern we've been going on, right? Is to cover it lightly so that you know it's happening because we can't be completely disconnected from reality. Um, but to pay attention to things that maybe we might not typically get to discuss from our perspective, um, So with that said, I feel like this made the news cycle very briefly. I'm not really sure what you all think um, about that. I didn't hear much about it. I just saw it on Twitter. Yeah, same. I only heard about it because of like Puerto Ricans that I know that had been posting about it, which made me look it up and look into it. Um, Because they're also asking the governor to renuncia again. I mean, because everybody's clearly they're not helping the people. And that's the common thread we've seen. In a lot of governments throughout the world. So give the power back to the people and some places that you can support. It's the Federación de Maestros de Puerto Rico. Um, It's a GoFundMe. There is the Campamento Contra la Junta. Um, They have their contact information. And you can look them up on Facebook. (laughs) This is also some grassroots orgs. That have their Venmos. It's the Brigada Solidaria del Oeste. Um, there's lots of different things. I, El Fondo Boricua. Crazy Legs Relief Trip. Hey, um, Crazy Legs. What's good, boy? Casa Protegida Julia de Burgos. Um, so look any of these things up. And we have to really consider helping our own people. Because our government certainly isn't doing it. So, And that is with intention. These 
They don't want to take care of these people. Um, so just keep that in mind. And I hate to see so much devastation happening to Puerto Rico. Um, with that said, in <clears throat> more politicians deliberately forgetting humans, um, our piece of shit governor, that's putting it nicely in my opinion, um, Greg Abbott, <clears throat> out of nowhere, I feel like it was out of nowhere because nobody had explicitly like denied people people's existence here but greg abbott was like me bro i just (laughs) no we don't want them i'm gonna let you finish but let me say this no not texas and we were like what the hell what the and so this man really amazes me um because i think people thought because he was disabled that he would have a heart um but that is not the case here um so he was the first state to shut the door on refugees um apparently texas used to welcome more refugees than any other state i did not know that but i i can see it um and so recently he was like nah this is an executive order under trump and we're gonna say that we don't want them in the whole state um so i thought that was pretty pathetic and i just wanted to cover that because i know i don't know about y'all i like I'm in Texas, so I get excited about where I am in Texas and, like, the people I know throughout Texas. But we forget Texas as a whole is still, like, ain't shit, kind of. Does that make sense? It does. Like, I don't mean to sound ignorant by saying I forget that because I don't. I know I grew up in a red-ass state and, like, it's never left my mindset. But I think we sometimes get comfortable in bigger cities and we don't realize that the majority of what is not the bigger cities also holds a lot of power in this state, which is why people like Greg Abbott get voted in. And I think that's one of the dangers <laughs> of being in not just a big state or sorry, big city, big city but also a um, layered and disguised blue city. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because yeah, you know, I, and, and I've been to other cities in this state and, I know in terms of progression um, and, and, and blue cities, I've seen what the state of Texas has to offer. And from personal experience, I can say that I've developed my own like point of view on things. And yes, it is a little more progressive than what the state of Texas collectively Barely. is. Right. But I've also experienced a lot of bullshit from a lot of people that claim to be on the forefront of progression who are actually worse than those people who will treat me like shit to my face based on their beliefs and political affiliation. So like, while I do understand what you're saying, like um, I, I also take that moment of, of reflection where I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm in Texas and I have a community of like-minded individuals where we understand the significance of being open and being fair and being just and not, you know, treating people, you know, bad based on, on some stupid ideological foundational conservative bullshit mess. But that's what we deal with in the state. Right. So I think the most important aspect of that is the masked progression that Dallas or Houston or Austin especially has as like, very um forward thinking cities when in actuality 
we've seen the like neoliberal bullshit. And so take that into consideration as well. Um, This is a very shameful thing to do. I'm sure most of our listeners know that already, but I don't want that to go unnoticed because I, it always brings things back into perspective of where I'm living in as a state. And because we're doing work that like is considered very radical for where we are, I sometimes do forget what we're up against. And so I, I definitely say shame on you, Greg Abbott, but I expect nothing else but really, really terrible behavior from this person who is supposed to be leading our state um, and does so in such a terrible, um, ugly, heartless way. So that's all this. That's all I'm going to say on that for now, because I really don't like wasting time on um, old white men doing old white men things. And um, so we're going to keep moving because they don't deserve that much of our energy um, where we could be uplifting refugees and other people. Um, With that said, Rafa, do you want to take our next story? Oh, my God, I do. Contagion. Yes. 2.0. 2.0. I'm not excited about the I'm not idea. either. It's actually kind of scary. It is very scary. Which um, I hate because I feel like something like this is pushing the shit that Greg Abbott is fighting against. Right. Yeah. Or so, claim, thinks he is. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. So there are so many things that are happening right now with this. So the World Health Organization is on the verge of declaring a an emergency, like an international emergency with this, similar to what they did with Ebola. And a couple yeah, of other things. And that was here in Dallas. Yeah. Ebola was here in Dallas. That was weird. Um, but the coronavirus. Is it really called Corona like the beer? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's pronounced differently, but. <laughs> but we're Mexican, so you, it's Corona. You know, you know I'm going to say coronavirus. Jesus. Um, hold on. I just want to make sure we're over here. It's Corona. Wow. It's literally coronavirus. Okay. Yeah. Well, shout out to Corona. Stop stealing water from lands that need it or whatever. <laughs> Since I'm too woke, gang gang. So. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm sorry. Yes. So recently it was um, discovered that this virus can be spread from human to human. It was thought that it could only be animal to human. But it turns out that it can be human to human. They've tried to quarantine as much as they can um, for where Ground Zero was, which I want to say is Wuhan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but yeah, and that happened, I want to say maybe two or three days ago, if not more. And so I was talking to you, Eva, saying that there was a couple hundred people that had been infected, but then I heard a story and then you were like, it's up to 300. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And people are gathering like right now. Minutes later. Yeah. And then somebody else was saying that people are estimating that it could be in the thousands. Um, coronavirus is officially in the U.S., so it's in Washington. Welcome. They haven't released the person's name or anything, but it was someone who was in Wuhan, which is ground zero for this. And so... Girl, give me some sanitizer. Yeah. <laughs> gets I already some had the flu sanitizer. and that was enough. So yeah, so people are being extra cautious because of the fact that, it, one, it can be human to human, and this particular virus can cause... Um, or can open the door for things like SARS and other, uh, you know, other either diseases or viruses that could be fatal. And from my understanding, this one itself can be fatal. 
So it's just crazy. They're trying to figure out. I know that they're meeting in Geneva at some point soon to try to figure out how this spreads, how fast, where it could have gone, how do they stop it. There's no cure for this right now. So people are getting really scared because <laughs> there's a lot of unknowns and it's already traveled like long, long distances. Like it's traveled overseas already. So um, it's crazy to think of that this is a conversation that we're having when I joke so much about contagion. The terrible movie. We literally were watching it last week in our meeting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if this is what wipes us out, I hope you guys the enjoyed end, the show. If this is the end. We probably shouldn't joke y'all. about this, but we here we are. Um, it's a little bit terrifying. <clears throat> However, I don't know. I Everybody do, I keeps talking about how the end is near, and if this is the thing to do it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm seriously like, I keep clean, I guess. That's crazy. Yeah, that was the other thing that I had heard this morning. Um, No health authority has ever tackled the challenge currently faced by China. However, as the country grapples with a new coronavirus, just as hundreds of millions prepare to travel during the Lunar New Year period, (gasps) the largest annual human migration on Earth. So that's just another little like scary angle. But yeah, um, so they're being extra cautious at like airports. They're, you know, they're telling people not to leave if they're, you know, if they've had interaction with people on Ground Zero or if they're nearby. Um, but people have already traveled. You know, it's already in Washington. Because they said this last person they didn't get to stop before they go th- went through or whatever. Is right. what I read. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next topic because I'm stressed out. <laughs> um, and Rafa, the next one is yours as well. Welcome, Mike McCarthy. Boo. To the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I know, just, in theory, I always want like a black head coach because I think that's pretty cool. It would be cool. But Jerry Jones only but likes Jerry his Jones. players to be black. You know, I was, Maybe. I hate to say this, but I was wrong about this past season. Um, I'm sorry. What? I know. I a know. A Latino man in Dallas who's a Cowboys fan just said he was I wrong? was wrong about this breaking past news. Season. Breaking news. Um, but now that Mike McCarthy has joined, I can confidently say, without any shadow <laughs> of a doubt, one hundred percent. If you want to take me up on this wager, anybody, this is our year. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to walk on the moon. Oh. Cool. What's that billionaire that said he's he's looking for his partner and their first date's going to be a trip to the moon? Oh, I need to go who talk is to he? Them. Yeah. Hey, Poppy. Some billionaire. Yeah, I don't Where's know Where's he at? Is. Oh, no. Please don't be Elon Musk. It's not Elon. Isn't with his he little with... Grimes baby? Yeah, isn't he with Goth Girl? <laughs> I can't. I can't. That whole thing feels like a scam. Did I show you the meme where it was like... Uh anti-vax goth girl refuses to listen to the cure no what (laughs) the heck so his name is mike mccarthy yes he's the new coach yes where did he come from green bay packers him and aaron Rodgers. and he won them a super bowl yes and jerry's like it's our time yeah so he i think jerry finally realized like actually this needs to be our year so i'm gonna do something to make sure that we (laughs) we got (laughs) Mike McCarthy looks really happy all the time, and I don't know if I trust him. 
But I mean, he, I'm happy to see a change. He was I really like happy. Change. They asked him at the press conference if uh, Daz caught it because he was the coach that we were playing against on the <gasps> oh, infamous game. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. And he was like, technically, yes, Aww, he did. Okay, he's like, I'm getting paid by y'all now, yeah. so yes. Um, He said that because of the rules during the time of the game that it was not, but he said technically it was. He's like, I got to get everybody on my good side. Yeah. And I think, I don't know where he is with all of his coaching staff, but I think he's hired just about everyone. So that's what Pat was saying. She was like, I didn't know everybody has to go. And I was like, yeah, because then they'll know the plays and things. Yeah. And I know that they were fighting to keep like Kellen Moore. I don't know if they ended up keeping Kellen Moore, who was... Uh, An old boy went to the New York Giants. Jason Garrett. Yeah. Jason He'll be Garrett. the offensive, <laughs> offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm just excited about this upcoming season, knowing that it's our year. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to it. That is Cowboys for life. I cannot. (laughs) While I have a Cowboys card, that's the most Cowboy thing about me. Um, Besides my Cowboys hat, shout out. Literal, like a Cowboy hat, not a Dallas Cowboys hat. Anyways, come to Dallas and see Cowboys gear all over the cars every year. Um, With that said, a new documentary show came out on Netflix. It's not a new show. They did a new series, rather. Um, I have not watched it. I might start it tonight. Um, What is it called? I think I'm butchering it. Inside the Mind of a Killer or something like that? I'm definitely... Something's off with the name that I put there. Um, But it is over Aaron Hernandez, Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Um, I watched about 10 Ah, minutes. Ah, the Hernandez. (laughs) What is that from? It's like a commercial. Okay. I was like, meet. Um, I watched about 10 minutes with Pat and, uh, apparently I spoiled it for our sweet friend Yvette. She did not know. I'm afraid to say it because I thought everybody knew it. Knew what? That he played for the Patriots? Yep. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Um, that he's no longer alive. I thought that was pretty obvious. Wait, what? (laughs) Shut up. Don't do that. Stop. Who's no longer? You like the Cowboys. I can't even look at you. (laughs) Anyways, I'm. The black cat from the Cowboys games actually no longer. I black love that black cat. <laughs> that was a freaking iconic moment. Um anyways, this is getting a lot of attention right now. Rafa, have you seen it? I haven't watched the whole thing. I have not watched really any of it. I saw ten minutes while I was at Pat's briefly. I think Pat's probably watched the most out of all of us. Um, I think I stopped right when they start talking, like alluding to like his sexuality or mm. whether it's, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of things that they're like, well, that's not really true because Homeboy wasn't really involved. So I don't know. Like, I don't think I, I don't know if they explain it more. They do. Okay. They so. do. Um, They do <clears throat> explain it a lot more because he has, um, there's people that come up and speak on behalf of like their relationship and like their his history um and they are kind of like some people were even like oh he can't be gay he played sports and i'm like hello Get out of here. there's a thing called repression where you repress things and you feel like you have to fit into your norm of your gender right and he pushed a lot of masculinity and tried to like it talks about yeah, all like this i stuff. remember one of those lines that someone says is like the the dad would literally beat that slap the f out of you yeah, because there's that one point where he talks Jesus about wanting to Christ. do cheerleading. Triggered. And his dad. So, yeah. Whew. So, that's a heavy-ass show I have not watched. I know I mentioned to Pat that I like used, I got really into him after he passed because I thought it was really fascinating how um, 
I guess the thing that I found fascinating was what did you call it? What is it called, Rafa? The brain, like the CT. It showed a lot of the damage he had, um, and I find that really fascinating because we are obsessed with football, the NFL specifically as a culture. I mean, even Friday Night Lights here in Dallas, right? Like, or here in Texas, not Dallas. Um, and this, like, the masculinity of it all. When in actuality, this stuff is like really traumatic to people on top of my spiel, which is like the 10 minutes I did see on this show was this man who uh, tried to kill his friend at the time and got to still play. No, he killed a person, two people, and then they the Patriots knew about it and they still let him play. And I was like, but y'all won't pay for someone who kneeled to play anywhere in this entire organization. Um, And I know Robert Kraft was like, all in love with his hispanic football player because they kept stressing how he was like one of the first major um hispanic football players which isn't an interesting point right because i remember when i first heard of aaron hernandez i was like oh he kind of cute and then i was like oh he's latino okay hey and so we do get excited right because latinos really love football um but there's a lot of those interesting things that i'm like I like that it's exposing how crooked a lot of these teams can be to protect their players, which is essentially protecting yeah. their money in their pockets. Um, specifically, Robert Kraft, who we know is up to some other dirty, dirty shit. Deflate gay. Um, beyond deflate gay. He was yeah. involved with sex trafficking, mm-hmm. which is freaking ridiculous. So I like that part of these kind of documentaries. Um, I do find it really sad because most of the time it is connected to severe trauma from childhood. Um, however, I haven't watched it all, so I'm going to stop talking um, and I'm not encouraging anybody to watch because obviously it sounds like it's really triggering and a lot and heavy shit to deal with. Um, but I personally think as far as masculinity is concerned, um, trauma is concerned, mental health is concerned, um, just patriarchy in general. Um, it's really fascinating to me. And it's a really sad story, honestly, from what I can tell and what I've gathered. Um, so if anybody's interested, I guess we can g- dive into it more um at a later episode so let us know if y'all want that besides that i'm gonna kind of let it rest in peace um uh, which is not what we're doing to the man himself um because it's a lot of um wild shit essentially and i actually the thing i even said when pat was watching it the other night was like as a culture why are we so obsessed with murder and like these terrible terrible stories i find that more fascinating that as a culture we are like uplifting the hell out of murderers and like i don't know does that just sound like me being like whiny preachy or like does anybody else feel that because i I know podcasts the world podcast world is dominated by true crime crime. but i think so so to me the thing is like um and that's why i really want to watch all of this um but one of the reasons i stopped watching week was because i felt like a component of what the story that's supposed to be told is um was being left out by way of sensationalizing something that you know is going to receive a lot of attention and so if we're able to actually see like um themes come up about toxic masculinity in a way that's like look these are issues that are being highlighted in this man's story but know that it goes beyond one person and it affects so many people um, in a negative way where we end up talking about like head injuries and and how someone is brought up not being able to like explore their true identity and all of these other things, I'm all for it. But the fact that, 
you know, I've seen a lot of people share like, man, like this motherfucker was crazy. He didn't give a shit. And he still had some down ass people with him and, and blah, blah, blah. And all this other stuff. And you know, things that aren't necessarily relevant to like useful to the conversation. Right. But I I think people are sensationalizing that part because even after you watch, that's what 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 everybody's doing. But even once you watch all of it, you do realize that they do talk about like how men and queer men, even in sports, like they have other people that talk. They do talk about it on the show about having to repress their sexuality. Okay, that's and, like, good. Have we to, haven't seen it obviously, and yeah, have so. to repress their sexuality. And honestly, didn't even like some of them didn't even come out until like things came out about Aaron and his sexuality and his bisexuality. So it's just like, well, that's cool that this conversation started, but I'd hope that like all the men or like people that are into football see like there's more conversation within this. Oh, I'm sure. Th- I, I, um, because so I've, many I have that, just seen yeah. people like talk about it on Twitter that were just like, oh, he's gay, blah, blah, blah. This is the reason why people yeah. are saying all that. And I, I was think like, I no. just saw a story about someone who is wanting to enter the NFL draft as the first out oh, like wow. player. And I was like, I thought we were beyond that already. I thought that this wasn't an issue. And because it was such a big deal when what's his name came out. And that's because was it Sam? Uh... Yeah. And so that and, and that's where I'm at. I'm like, damn, I'm like, we still haven't gotten to the point where where we can be OK with the fact that someone someone's sexual like we can't be OK with someone's sexuality. Right. But I think it's important to note that. Right. Because <clears throat> that's the ignorance is that even on these whether it's conversation on race, whether it's conversation on sexuality, whether it's a conversation on gender, we aren't there. Right. And like our president is proof of that. In my opinion, that like, that's where people are. And so like, I know people say meet them where they are. Sure. So that's where we have to be realistic in that. Like, again, like we said earlier, everybody's not going to be where we are, even in fake blue Dallas, you know, like that's the reality. So even though we had one out football player, five years ago where's his career now it ended quickly after that and that's the reality and the reality is that Kaepernick is still not on a team right but a murderer is or an abuser is and it's just like that's the sad truth that when it comes to lining old white man's pockets which is the majority of the owners in the NFL they're going to take care of themselves even if it means covering uh, a, a, a mentally ill murderer which is kind of what this is reducing him down to um in my opinion, I haven't seen it. So we'll see how it goes from there. But as we are speaking about the NFL, I would like to also bring up, and I think we covered it briefly maybe, but uh, the Super Bell, Super Bell, Super Bell, we all eat Blue Bell really fast. Super Bell. Um, that is happening this weekend. I most the next weekend. I know it's soon. Look, I'm so good at sports. Sports. Um, I thought it was the end of the month already. I know it's February 2nd, right? Whatever. It's coming up. The sports ball game is coming up, and the two white Latinas are dancing in the middle of it, and that's really what I was going to focus on because I really go to the Super Bowl parties to eat food because that's the part that matters <laughs> to me. Wow, that's sad. We're working on trauma. Um, so I think i don't think we dug into it too much i do appreciate my friend um melania luisa marte who we've had on a couple times i know she did a piece under mezcla with a few other um, black latinas i didn't get to jump into the article however i'm so glad that they did the article basically saying hey shakira and j-lo this thing y'all consider to be so exciting and this prime time hot stage 
is actually a slap in the face um, to anybody else that purposely declined the Super Bowl. And it's a to me, it's a slap to anybody that supports Kaepernick, right? Or to see that that supports that fight and that cause. And I honestly think it's a perfect example of what a lot of Latinidad has been in America, which is either just like a ploy for themselves as opposed to a ploy for a movement, even if they benefit from a movement that they didn't necessarily fight for. Um, So I just want to state that because I know for a lot of people, it might be really exciting to see Latina or Latinx representation during the Super Bowl. Um, I personally am not excited about it. I was disappointed that they both accepted it happily um, because I know like Rihanna turned it down and then it was all that weird stuff with Jay-Z and him like getting back involved with the NFL. So it was just a weird um, series of of events, I guess, rather. Um, And maybe, I don't know, like I'm not really sure what the right answer for that was. But to me, these two very prominent Latinas, because it's not like there's a lot of major latinas with stardom in hollywood in general um to see one who did like a bad motown performance um and another one who like shakira doesn't really seem to have an identity outside of like i sing occasionally i don't know is that sound rude or does it sound accurate i mean she's she she has a presence in the u.s because of some of her crossover stuff but i feel like she's got a strong latin american presence right but she's never been like super political or anything she's just kind of like i'm around and i sing and like my hair changes I don't know. I'm not trying to be really rude to her. I just genuinely like to me, I'm like, when you have that amount of power, like, what are you doing with it in this day and age? What are you doing with it? And these two ladies who are some of the biggest we have in the Latina world, these women are clearly just trying to take the platform for them to shine for themselves. Not thinking about the greater implications, but it's not surprising um, from some ethnically ambiguous Latinas. Um, At least that's what they run as. Anyways, I'm going to stop just sounding like I'm shitting on these people. I know people are upset because they think J-Lo was also snubbed from the Oscars, which is our next topic. I did think she did really well in Hustlers. However, sometimes I feel like people aren't acting. (laughs) And maybe that's why they did so well. Um, I do think she did well in Hustlers. I don't know if you watch Hustlers. It's a fun movie. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of time. For that film. Wow, Rude. Did you make time for Hustlers? Will you make time for... Parasite? Of course. And don't do Parasite. It took you a long time to watch that one. That is not what I'm talking about. Anyways, I know people were saying that. And do I wish I saw more people, Latino people involved at the Oscars? Absolutely. However, again, I think it's a bigger matter at hand when these institutions like the Oscars or any of these award shows for that matter... I wasn't expecting them to nom a lot of POC people. It just was not even, I don't know. It's not that I don't care about it. I do care about it, but I've said it over and over and over again that these institutions were not built to award us. They're going to support who they want to support. And it's a very, very elitist white nature. So they're going to highlight and keep highlighting these old typical auteurs like Tarantino and Scorsese and all these people you expect that should not be a surprise right um can you tell everybody what you're doing right now it's distracting the shit out of me what do you mean he has the mic up to his hand and it makes me want to hold the mic up to my hand what are you talking I mean up to my mouth (laughs) can I hold the mic 
Cochino. What did you say about yourself earlier? You're like Cochino who's <laughs> no, vino para el Cochino. <laughs> that was cute. I like that. I wish it was vina para la cochina. Vina. Vinex para los cochinex. Vinex. Um, <laughs> like a vinex. I'm dead. Oh my god. Anyways, um, don't lose sleep over Oscar is so white. It's been yeah. so white. That's been the issue to begin with. Mm-hmm. And um, Rafa, I feel like you're mocking me. Why are you? Why? What's wrong? I'm not. That's true. Even though it's Oscar. Oscar. Oh yeah, we found out he was Mexican, right? Yeah. That was cool. Shout out to the new show, Hentified, um, which I believe was created, not created, um, directed perhaps by Marvin Lemus. At least the original he was one a, was. He was original showrunner, yeah, so with, we're with another counterpart. I can't remember her name right now. Looking forward to that. I think Netflix finally has a little Latinx network they're running with called Con Todo. So when y'all are ready to hire me, let a bitch know because I've been ready and we'll get the Oscar immediately. Okay, Oscar. Immediately. Immediately. Um, with that said, my next topic. Sigh. Beyonce and Ivy Park. First of all, actually, I'm not even going to sit and complain that much because y'all heard what I had to say last time. I was not surprised that there was not plus size and in someone who was excited about being in a tiny ass dresses Mm -hmm. collection. I was not surprised. I know it's not a good feeling. I'm sad that the plus size community does not get to enjoy, um, Ivy park. And it was not even built into her collection. Um, I think now that she's received criticism, she might include us. Um, however, I thought it was funnier. Like these, and and the and the collection is amazing. Like it's a dope line. I'm dope. really into it. I really wanted the shoes. I mm. didn't try that hard to get them. I was also busy, and the world of sneakers and all of that is like insane nowadays. So there's like no way of actually getting these things unless you already have an in. I feel like Rafa knows more about that than me. Um. Um. I did see a tweet that said, "I wish that she would have delivered those big orange boxes to like poor people. It would have been a lot more exciting yeah. than seeing it delivered to like these major stars who can all afford this shit." Reese Witherspoon. Literally, she's into like Reese Witherspoon now, probably because she watched Big Little Lies or something. Um. Well, but yeah, was that thing at the Golden Globes where they were like sharing their champ. They're like, yes, she champagne? sent her the Duce or some some something. I don't know what it is. It's something they have stock in probably. Yes, that's what it was. Ace's face. I said Duce because he's always drinking Duce. Anyways, Ivy Park, Adidas collab, obviously blew up. And I didn't get any, so maybe I'm just salty. I don't know. I also thought it was funny because she got had like an Adidas. She posted something. With, it was like a tooth, a gold tooth with the Adidas symbol. And I was like, we really love capitalism, bros. Like straight up, lean into it, girl. I guess. Since they think that's going to cure all all the problems in the world. Why not? And here I am. Sad I didn't buy any. Okay. It's <laughs> conflicting feelings I have clearly. Rafa, do you have any thoughts as a sneakerhead guru? Um, I really, I, I liked the shoes. I am not one to shy away from buying women's shoes. Wow. We love a gender bender. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I thought the line was dope. Uh, I probably would have copped some of those shoes if they were easier to get, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's Adidas finally 
caught up to the game and found out how to capitalize on 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 stuff by so, working with major stars or in what? a way but they i mean they worked with stars before but they were never really relevant in terms of like like back in the day they like wouldn't the have stars ne- weren't relevant or adidas the line <coughs> as a whole yeah because it was always like you could never compare to nike and so now it's a different kind of conversation that's so interesting the german company even though yeah see there's many layers here i'm not gonna mm-hmm. i really am too woke um i'm making this joke because <laughs> i heard through the grapevine not really i'm just kidding i've been told this many times uh, by people so i'm running with it as a joke now um so i just find it oh my god rafael he's being very phallic with the microphone right now with that said some of the final news I wanted to share was very local, and um, I watched the show The Circle. Has anybody seen it? I was obsessed. My whole flu week was full of The Circle. I thought it was a movie. Am I wrong? Am You're I remembering so wrong? wrong. It is the Circle it, was not a movie? There might be a movie called that. But it's not what matters now. The Circle is a reality show on Netflix.com. Are you wrong? Of course not. It was a movie with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. Don't look at me like that. I'm about to take this mic and bonk you over the head. Ooh, look at that Rotten Tomato score, though. What is it? 15%. That is actually terrible. Um. Anyways, the circle I'm talking about is a TV show on Netflix, and it had a star from our very favorite city, y'all. O-A-K-C-L-I-F-F. The only OC that matters. Ooh, Pat's getting deep. People like that TV show, The OC, not the other OC. There's two OCs. You're talking about the one with Adam Brody. No. I like that show. I I did like that show. Anyways, Chris Sapphire is from Oak Cliff, Texas, and the show itself is a lot of fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. I was almost going to make it my Who You Got. I didn't know that it was going to explode like it did. Um, But it's a really fun show. I don't usually watch things that... um, I, I need to be I, I want to enjoy more things like this is what I'm trying to say where you don't have to think and you can just watch and I'm not being super analytical like I am about everything else. Um, so it was just really fun. And then seeing this person from Oak Cliff, which a, with a very Oak Cliff personality, you see a Selena fucking magazine or bag or something in the back. Um, and even the way he talks um, was very fascinating to me. Because then I was like, I was processing like what our dialect sounds like from this area as Latinos. Um, so that was really interesting because you kind of hear this southern twang. And then also like I talked about it with someone else because they were like, there's also that aspect of like gay men that also kind of pull from like black women slang. It was a lot of, you know me, it, it started getting really analytical and maybe it wasn't supposed to, but it made me feel seen just a little bit because he would say shit like sweating like a hoe in church type shit, which is very Southern ass, Southern ass language. And so seeing someone like that on this grand scale was really entertaining to me. And he was a very sweet, loving person, not character because they're supposed to be themselves. Um, so shout out to Chris Sapphire. He went really far in the show and it's just a fun show to watch. So I feel like we probably know people that know him because I feel like I've seen him around. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe Chris can come on the show one day and we can talk about it because it's a fun little show. And he's a sweet, queer uh, man from Oak Cliff, Texas who loves Jesus. And uh, 
He has a good time. So, with that said, Rafa, I'm giving you our last um, thing to cover today because I just want to give a moment to people that should be recognized from our part of town. Yeah, it's um, this Dallas has lost, you know, a few legends. Yeah. Um, you know, not too long ago, we lost DJ Big Baby. And just recently, we lost um, DJ Hollywood, um, who was a huge deal. Anybody that knew him, you you already know, like, that man treated you with the utmost respect. He treated you like you were family. He was never, he, you know, he was a DJ at K104. He would DJ at clubs. But he was always willing to be that person that, you know, that you could call on for advice or help or whatever. And a lot of people owe a lot of, like, you know, a lot of what they have seen in terms of success and how they've gotten, you know, um, within their careers to that man right there. Um, he had been fighting cancer for a while. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that's like, fuck cancer. Cause he really was a trooper. He was a warrior and he, um, he tackled every single day. You could feel it in his spirit and the way, you know, you interacted with him that he knew that, you know, that, that the, the uh, life is precious and, you know, you got to you got to live it moment by moment and um, really put that good energy out there. And he was definitely one that inspired so many people. So, uh, you know, condolences to his family, to, to everyone that knew him. Um, and yeah, rest rest in power. Thank you for sharing. I saw a lot of him on my feed. So I was like, I didn't know him, but we clearly need to, to share. Oh, no, yeah. He I mean, his greatness for a moment on the yeah, show, sure. because. Um, love and respect is something we definitely uphold here in in at the colores and in Dallas and just as people we could use a lot more of people and inspiration like him he definitely was one of the good ones so with that said we are wrapping up the juice you're listening to the colores radio so today we have the pleasure of welcoming two lovely, incredible um, beings here to the Colores Radio, and I'm very excited to introduce a bit of a partnership we have going on, and as well as an awesome show that's coming up that we discussed a little bit, uh, maybe a few episodes ago. So with us today we have Miss Teresa Coleman Walsh and Morgana Wilborn, I don't know why I say your name weird like that. Morgana. <laughs> it like slips out of my mouth. <laughs> Morgan. Give me that wine back. <laughs> it was it's it's gone now. It doesn't exist anymore. Anyways. I never heard you say the name like that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what happened in that moment. And I know how to say your name, I promise. Um, welcome back to the show and welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank We're so you. happy to have you here. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and then we'll jump into a little bit more about loving versus loving. I feel like I'm in the family already. I ah, listen yay. to Decolores so Aww. much. We love it. But my name is Teresa Coleman Wash. I am the executive artistic director and founder yes. of the Bishop Arts Theater Center. I was sharing with, um, Eva, my ring, we it's were chartered y'all. in Atlanta as Tico Theatrical Productions. Wow. Some of some of the your listeners may know us as Tico. Okay, um, that's our nonprofit theater that was chartered in Atlanta in September of 1993. Wow! When I married my husband in 2000, we moved to Dallas. Okay, and I decided to move the theater 
to the Dallas area and we were doing a full season of performances at the Hall of State in Fair Park. Mm. And then the building that we occupy now was donated to us in 2005. That's amazing. So we raised a half a million dollars in private sector funding. We were able to get a construction loan for another half a million dollars. We started the renovations in 2006, I believe, and completed the renovations in 2008. So today what we do is a full season of theater performances, jazz concerts, speaker series events, and year-round arts education programs. You know, I kind of breeze through that really quickly, but 2008 was when the economy plummeted and it was really hard Wow! and I distinctly remember the Dallas Arts District was being built at that time Mm. so all of the attention the resources and yeah was was being directed to that area and I just can't say enough about this Oak Cliff community because that's the community that really embraced us Mm. we just celebrated our 25 year anniversary last year so we are you know we're really excited about being six blocks down from you guys we love it holding our own on Yay. on tyler and jefferson For sure. <laughs> so you're originally from atlanta i'm originally from albany georgia i grew okay, up in albany georgia and uh, went to college there after college i moved to atlanta and i was there for about 15 years mm-hmm. and i sold broadcast advertising oh, wow. for the disney family interesting yeah, I, I would love to get that tea later but you too. know i thought at it, i knew it was a means to an end i never right. expected to be there i had stock options 401k all the whole nine but it was a means to an end because my heart was in theater and that's what you had studied in school and like grown up with I studied business in school yeah and really there were no in Albany Georgia there really were no cultural opportunities Mm -hmm. I saw Diana Ross and I know I'm dating myself but I saw Diana Ross in the whiz and it changed my life forever I love it and so um yeah, when I when I moved to Atlanta, I was singing in the choir, and I distinctly remember the choir director said one year, he said, I want you to be over our Christmas gathering. I said, what do you expect me to do, write a play? He said, that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> you're like, well, I did love Diana right? Ross and the Wiz, so. Exactly. So I wrote this skit for, you know, that Christmas gathering for my church, uh-huh. and um, a friend of mine said, you know what? I know some promoters out of Florida. You should write the second half of that play. Oh, wow. I wrote the second half of that play, and 18 months later, we were on tour. Wow. <laughs> now, you can imagine. That's that we awesome. Ma- we lost a lot of money. We made so many mistakes. But I really felt like um, that was my calling. Mm. Because and it was an experience. It was an experience. It was a huge experience. So that's our humble beginnings wow. but but um it started in Atlanta you know doing dinner theaters and interestingly enough I had some friends in Atlanta who renovated a theater uh, it, actually it was a union building mm-hmm. and they gave me the keys and gave me complete autonomy to do whatever I wanted to do and so I at that time I wrote directed wow. and produced all of the plays in the dinner theater that's really amazing. And I think all that autonomy you've received is telling of who you are, which is amazing. Because I'm like, I know we're getting to know each other a little more right now. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, that speaks to who you are, I think, in the long run that you've been able to upkeep and build these entire entities. You know, I feel like I was thrust into it, though, <coughs> Eva. I felt I feel like, you know, 
I felt like I was an artist mm. and now I have to put on this business hat Oof. more than I, I like to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, sometimes it's really uncomfortable, but um, you know, we've been able to keep the lights on for 25 mm. years, so I can't. Yeah. I, can't I know complain. someone I was talking to recently was, I don't know if it's a statistic, but they were discussing how artists tend to be even better like politicians because they actually understand like fairness and equitable. Yeah just treatment in general and that's that's the other thing you know in the 2008 financial crisis I had to lay off everybody at the staff and so and on staff and so what I did was you know I had to do marketing and facility rentals and uh, directive education I Mm. did it all with interns so it I had to learn the business Mm -hmm. in ways that um that helped build my skills. So now when I bring people on to, mm-hmm. you know, be the director of education, I know exactly what I want. Right. I know exactly the skill set. I know exactly um, what needs to be done. So for sure, it's, it was a blessing in disguise. I love it. It didn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it never does, right? You're always like going thinking mad. it's the end yes. or something's going down that yes. you didn't anticipate. Yeah. But Emma Rogers, who owned, who used to own Black Images Books, in Wynwood Village, like, yeah, I, I miss it too. Place. Like for 30 years, Emma said to me, she's on our board of directors, she said, Teresa, if we can get through this rough patch, I feel like, you know, we'll be able to thrive after mm. this. And she was right. Emma knew. Emma knew. Wow. Well, I don't know if you know this. I, I don't know. I might be putting you on the spot a little bit. If you know, like the stats of women of color run like arts entities in Dallas. So, I wrote an op-ed piece okay. called The Ugly Truth About Arts Institutions mm. Led by Women of Color. I love that I feel piece. like you had mentioned it around me and maybe that's where I'm tapping into that. It went viral. Oh, wow. It went, yeah, it went mm. viral. And, and people from all over the country were contacting me about how much that piece resonated mm. with them. But, uh, yeah, I know the statistics very well. Can you share that with us? And then we'll bring Morgana up to the mic. So in 2015, there was a study done um, that kind of researched executive directors and artistic directors and Lord Theaters. There was only one executive director at that time and zero artistic directors. Wow in Lord Theaters. And of course, you know, we've had um, Nataki Garrett Mm -hmm. and Hannah Sharif and some other, you know, some other appointments. But what I- This is nationwide, correct? This is nationwide, this is nationwide. But it's still nowhere near parity. Yeah, you know, we've had some appointments over the last couple years, but um, it's it's still nowhere near parity. Mm -hmm. Leadership, and quite honestly, you know, when we were renovating that building, nobody, expected us to we were so under the radar Mm -hmm. and nobody expected us to finish the renovations they they didn't expect us to be fiscally responsible you know um they certainly didn't expect us to be around 25 years historically leadership doesn't look like Mm -hmm. us right you know it doesn't look like any of us it does not yeah so (laughs) So um, we've had to contend with microaggressions mm-hmm. and all the stuff mm-hmm. that comes with of all course, of that. Of course. And, you know, 
we talked about um, Dallas Truth Racial Healing and Transformation. Mm. We're part of, the Bishop Art Cedar is part of that Racial Equity Now cohort. Mm-hmm. It's just learning the history of Dallas. The fact that we are dead last in economic inclusivity, right. it's amazing that any organization of color is in existence. I agree. When you think about what we're up against, mm-hmm. I take my hat off to anybody who is celebrating a five-year anniversary or even a two-year anniversary. We'll take three years. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Morgana, if you would like to say hello. Hello, everybody. It's so great to be back. I know everybody (laughs) loved your voice. They were like, her voice is so soothing. I was like, I know. Just wait till she's off the mic. No, just kidding. Um, Anyways, welcome back. We're so glad to have you here with us always. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Bishop Arts Theater. Uh, yes, so I am very, very grateful to be working with Bishop Arts. Out of nowhere, this lovely, wonderful, beautiful soul that I'm sitting next to Aww. called me and said, um, can you direct this play? <laughs> and I was like, what? That's not what I thought you would ask me. Um, so, um, and with that, you know, uh, Teresa connected me with the playwrights, uh, Beto O'Byrne and Maropi Peponitis. They are two uh, biracial creators. Um, Beto is uh, Mexican and Irish, and his partner Maropi is Cypriot and Indian. And they have a company called Radical Evolution mm-hmm. um, in New York. And they created this play, Loving and Loving. And so what's magical is like where I don't, you know, in this world where I only see like three theaters in Dallas headed by black women. I just want to say that. Well, there are two if you don't mind naming um, We know there's Soul Rep and there's um, African American Repertory Theater. Correct. And you, mm-hmm. is that it? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I just wanted to shout them out for a second. Uh, yes, yeah. amen. I love you, sisters. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I don't see a lot of uh, female directors, black directors, uh, black female directors, um, black uh, Latina or Latinx directors mm-hmm. at all, really right. <laughs> female um, mm-hmm. out here and biracial. Wow. Yes. Like to speak our stories. That's another layer. Mm-hmm. And so when Teresa said, I knew you would be the one <laughs> to tell this story. I'm like, where'd she get that from? <laughs> well, okay. You're like, did I wear a sign? Did, I didn't know. What? <laughs> you know, I, like, it's like, you know, my dreams came true. Aww. And I will ever, forever be grateful for that. Give it up to my sorority sister, Teresa Coleman Wash. Oh my God. <laughs> I should have known there was some other connection I was missing. <laughs> Just, gonna start just want to throw that out there if there are any fans oh to the podcast. My God. <laughs> I can't. I want you to stroll right now. Thanks. I'm going to call Boosie up in here too yes. to do some yes. strolling. So um, I get to work with these two biracial playwrights um, who have this beautiful partnership. I wanted to create a story about uh, the Lovings, uh, Mildred and Richard Loving who, because of their court case, uh, Supreme Court case, Loving versus Virginia. I keep saying Loving versus Loving, and you it's do. Loving and Loving. <laughs> You're right. That's always I been apologize. my inside joke okay. every time you said it. Why do I like, keep I doing <laughs> that? You should have corrected me. I'm sorry. You're I thinking about the Supreme so Court case. I, yes, yeah, the so bigger. Funny. Okay. Who? Sorry. Go ahead. I got you, girl. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that, you know, because of movements and these beautiful people who just wanted to love uh, beyond 
segregation, Jim Crow laws, and all of the racism that was happening to them and around them, um, people like my parents got to meet and fall in love and have me. And I exist. And the beautiful layers that exist in this play is that not only do we get to see um, a marriage unfold and a love unfold between a man and a woman, uh, a black woman and a white man uh, who, beyond anything that was happening, found each other, fell in love. But then there's an extra character in it uh, named Maya. Mm -hmm. And Maya is to be thought of as a far-off descendant who drives the play, Mm. goes through the research of the loving case and the loving family to understand their own identity. Interesting. Um, That's more so from that perspective? A lot of it, but we have uh, these flashbacks of the lovings that come in and out of the show. And what's lovely is um, Mildred Loving, played by my beautiful, wonderful friend Camille Monet, and Richard Loving, played by my awesome friend, D.R. Man Hansen. And Maya is a character that, before I could even get my idea out, the playwrights were like, Morgana, and also with Maya, if you want to have a non-binary, uh, not, uh, gender non-conforming actor, you can. I was like, thank you, universe, because that's what I wanted. <laughs> I didn't know you could sing. Wow. I don't know what I'm more happy about now. I'm so excited about the cast. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this cast. So my awesome friend, Kobe Calhoun, um, is starring as Maya. And we are using this story, flipping it on its head, and showing how even these great stories of love and identity and being fearless and confident can inform the generation of today Mm. um, who is living beyond these titles and, you know, who the world has told us we must be Mm -hmm. um, in terms of our ethnicity, in terms of how we must identify gender-wise, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so using the story of the lovings to define what love means for themselves in their body, Mm. in their time. And I get to be a leader, a shepherd in this storytelling, and I'm so excited. Another added layer is that I don't want to tell too much because I want you all to come. We still will. Don't worry. Thank you. (laughs) Is I got to um, interview several of my multicultural biracial friends. Uh Um, Many of them have diverse backgrounds, whether they're uh, Latinx and white or mixed with black or Mm -hmm. Middle Eastern or what have you. And for Maya, she asked questions um, to these people that she interviewed, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And she'll ask them, you know, what is it like being mixed? You know, how did your parents meet? Um, Et cetera, et cetera. And we'll have these interviews um, that come in and out of the play. Oh, that's fun. So we get this generation of those who come from... Mm -hmm. um, a family that were interracially married. And so the the love, uh, the house and the home that love built, we see in the stories of these people from our time, our generation. Um, and so that's even powerful to me because, number one, I'm like, I got all these biracial friends. You know, back in the day, I was like growing up like, it's only me. You know, what do you do? I'm alone. Um, I'm and alone. now I'm like, wow, we all have such similar stories. Yes. 
That's and, the beauty of yeah. the script also. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it resonates with us with us on so many levels. We have a lot of um, interracial couples who, who frequent the yeah. theater that we are also mm. um, layers interviewed. On layers. Yeah. layers upon layers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're ready for this show. Oh, yeah. gosh. And they've been interviewed and wow. uh, featured on the Bishop Arts Theater Center social media. Yeah. Um, you check can, us out. Yeah, will, check us will. out. You'll be <laughs> able to capture some of the quotes and photos. Shout out to my company, Photo Noir. Um, <laughs> it was one of our <laughs> black businesses of the week. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> I love Decolores. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so you'll see a lot of that uh a lot of their stories come up just to get you all interested in the play but it's going to be great we're gonna have a lot of mixed media in it um we love I'm, mixed media yes keep us, keep us ready and yes interested i love it i love it so i'm very excited because i feel like this is one of the few cases you learn about in school right yeah but they don't get in depth they just kind of right. tell you the obvious like this is what happened. Yes. And like, that's it. And and I think I've discussed it a lot with you about how now it's weird because interracial relationships are really fetishized. Yeah. And so that loving component is almost missing, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have all these different, I don't know. It's a really weird, different, complicated, complex issue. And I have a lot of feelings towards it, mostly because of how people are fetishized mm-hmm. as opposed to the genuine love mm-hmm. behind it. And then yeah. there's also still racism that's mm-hmm. like and trauma. lurking around, right? Yeah. And trauma yeah. and all From these different layers slavery. that people yeah. don't yeah. discuss when they're entering um, an inter- interracial relationship. So I'm really excited to see mm-hmm. your modern take on it. And I love to see that you're playing with gender and identity as a whole and not yeah. just um, the racial aspect. So you will yeah. definitely see us all there. We're very excited about it. Great. I'm very excited to see. Is this your directorial debut? It is. Wow. wow. <laughs> this is the beginning. Is. A local yeah, EGOT. This is where it started. <laughs> oh my goodness. No pressure. You all captured it first. <laughs> Pat says she's getting an EGOT so she's getting an EGOT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to thank Teresa again for creating opportunities for artists to create and yeah. flourish uh mm-hmm. all these first timers you know she shared with me you know she was handed the keys to the castle to create you know and someone yeah. believed in her and she mm-hmm. has continually done that for up-and-coming artists in the mm-hmm. community and i am glad to be one of them but i just she feel has. like also you know if we don't support it it goes back to the values that you guys are mm-hmm. are yeah. all about also if we don't create opportunities for our people who's going to give us a chance mm-hmm. yeah who's absolutely. going to give us a chance that's true. Yeah. that's true you know i was looking at a documentary on um terrence mcnally mm-hmm. on um i can't remember kera i i think and terrence mcnally made so many mistakes and was so denigrated and people and got so such horrible reviews but people gave him still gave him opportunities Mm -hmm. they allowed him to fail again and again do we get that grace not women not right not Not a lot not a lot (laughs) a lot of times we don't get that those opportunities or that grace for sure and so i am excited to have morgana Thank you so much. On our stage. I love it. I love it. I love just watching the energy. It's so fun. And we discuss love being our next theme. And so that's kind of evolving into more focus on women specifically, actually. Mm. So to kind of welcome it with our first episode back for the year and discussing 
this uh, show and y'all's energy and how you started and everybody loved your energy, obviously. Oh, yes. So just sense. all of yes. this right now is making me feel really good. So thank you both so much for coming by. Thank you for and having us. And we're very us. excited to go see the show. So we're all going to go. When does it open? February 5th mm-hmm. through the 23rd. February 5th through the 23rd. Okay. Yes. And that's like I close a- on my birthday. Yeah. Oh my. So we have to party after your closing. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Beautiful. Indeed. Can't wait. All right. And where do we follow Bishop Arts Theater? Bishopartstheater.org. Okay. Or of course you can call the theater 214-948-0716. Yes. And they get tickets by calling or going online? Both. Either way. Perfect. Both. Yep. Okay. Go get if your tickets. Get yep. Easier, Dallas. You better come up. Yes. <laughs> Go support local black woman ran theater. We Yay. love it. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs> all right. Now it's time for Dear Eva's. Ding, 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 ding. I'm going to try not to say with that said again because I've said it so many times and I'm tired so. of it. Um, you perhaps can hear the live Flocorico happening in the background throughout this episode. They're extra animated as we come into 2020. So I hope you all enjoy our background noise. Uh, all right. I almost said with that said again. Our first Dear Eva simply says, and I quote, I stan. And I just want to say thank you because that made me giggle. And it was really sweet. And I appreciate you. Um... So thank you. Don't stand me too hard because I'm problematic too, okay? It's kind of unhealthy relationship sometimes, but balance is cool. Anyways, thanks. Love ya. Next one. How to deal with white Latinx family members who swear colorism isn't real. Um, their ability to swear that it isn't real is proof that they are privileged in itself. Um, I'm sorry you're dealing with this. It is frustrating. There's that episode of One Day at a Time that describes it really well. Maybe they can watch that. Maybe there's another way you can connect to them that they might understand. Because a lot of people, if you have that conversation, um, they feel really attacked and confronted. And a lot of people don't like confrontation. So think of other means to describing and showing them examples. If you even want to take on that battle. Technically, you don't have to take on that battle. Um, It's not yours to take on. And if someone doesn't want to see something, they're not going to see something. Um, and it's just that simple. It's unfortunate. It's frustrating. It's stressful. Um, but it's actually not your battle. So don't take it on too heavy. If it's stressing you, um, it is real. And their inability to see that is the perfect example of how real it is. They're never going to understand that. Um, and if they would like to continue to live their life, um, with that disconnect, they can do that because it's their life. However, um, I don't want you losing sleep over the fact that like you obviously don't have the same um, privilege and life experience as they do. It's really not a hard concept to grasp, in my opinion. And as soon as you can grasp that, like a lot of us even listening to this show probably have some form of privilege, right? Because you're able to listen to this show, um, which is why we wanted to make it accessible to everyone. But that's beyond the point. Don't lose sleep over it. Find other means to try to have this conversation with them if they even want to have it. If not, I would not stress it too much. They'll figure it out eventually or they won't. And that's that on that. Um, Colorism is real. Racism is real. Xenophobia is real. All these things are real. And um, there's a lot of online content, books, history, walk outside on a sunny day experience that you can go and see that. Um, However, people choose purposely to ignore that anybody else have anything to add to that 
I know it's uh, it's always difficult to try to differentiate between someone like trying to convince someone of your point of view and right. trying to convince someone that they're just not properly informed um, as as it's perceived by them. Right. I'm not yeah, saying that that's not a fun place to live. Right. In either. Yeah. I'm not saying that it, that you're having trouble convincing them of your point of view. And I don't think that that's your intention. But I think that when people are set in a specific type of like outlook, it's very difficult for them to perceive it as you just trying to open them up. They they might feel like you are trying to convince them to your point of view. And so with that, you are already meeting some resistance of, look, I'm trying to convince you of my way being the right way. And I think a lot of times, you know, everyone has issues with that. I myself have difficult, you know. Moments where I'm like, I need to understand that this person doesn't necessarily want me to see things, you know, wants me to agree with them. They just would like me to understand things in a more open way. Right. Um, and that's the really difficult part. I know that sometimes, you know, this is where like the significance of allies come into play, because if someone that does have a, a, a more open approach on the clarity of the situation you know, they can be helpful when it's like, hey, you look a little bit more like the person that I'm having the issue with and you're really close to me and you understand things differently. What can you do to be helpful in this type of situation? Um, and I've had those moments with like friends and family members. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, that dynamic gets really weird and twisted when someone is set in their ways and, you know, it, it seems like they don't want to be convinced otherwise. I agree. I'm proud of you. As Word. the most light-complected person in this room right now. <laughs> you knew I was going to say something, right? I was waiting on it. Uh, our next question is um, one that they sent me very briefly, and they seemed a little stressed out, but it's okay. We'll still take it. I hope I can um, provide you with some useful information. So they said, actually, they said, ah, okay, hi, hello. <laughs> I guess a short version of my question is advice on balancing work, school, and self-help. Imposter syndrome is kicking my butt. I'm trying to finish up my thesis and can't seem to find a balance with separating and compartmentalizing my time. I'm starting to apply to full-time positions um, in college and financial aid outreach, trying to finish my last three chapters of my thesis while trying to do a face mask once in a while and tell myself I could do it all. Well, um, this is hard. I think you heard us say earlier on this episode that we do too much already and we know we do too much. Um, However, I think the most, because you're doing a thesis, like you got a lot going on, right? So like power to you first. So give yourself a pat on the back because you're doing a lot of amazing work. Um, And so you need to give yourself credit for that first, because if you don't give yourself credit, then you're not going to think you even deserve time off because you're going to assume or think about everything else you should be doing. Um, which is why I have alluded also prior, that's how like this country and this capitalist system has us going, right? Like if we're not doing something, we're not useful and we're not productive and we're not doing something that could improve our life either financially or in a a career driven way, then we're not valuable. And so you have to accept that that's a bunch of bullshit. And if you come from like immigrant parents, in my opinion, that's driven in your skull like on another level at least I know like when I see my mom I want her so badly to like rest 
and she dead ass just does not. And she will like wear herself down till 10 PM and then just go to sleep. And like, it breaks my heart for her, but that is what she sees as norm. And like, I can't stop her from working a second job if she wants to, you know what I mean? Even if I say, here's a little money mom, or you know what I mean? Like it's very much ingrained into our DNA in a lot of ways. Um, so I need you to consider all those aspects as well so that you can give yourself grace and say, me resting is also critically important to my well-being. Like if I want to continue to work in this thing I'm studying or writing a thesis over or I'm getting this degree on, you're not going to be able to even work if you can't function. And I may be speaking to Rafa too, who's not making eye contact with me right now, but it's very true, right? The flu wiped us both out for a week. Had we begin been getting rest and not wilding out, maybe we wouldn't have gotten the flu and maybe it wouldn't have wiped us out for a week, right? Not to say you can always control those things because we really couldn't. That was kind of a silly example, but you have to really own that you deserve that time for yourself and that what you're doing is going to be more beneficial in the long run if you actually do one thing at a time. When I do my self-care, I'm not doing self-care and writing a thesis and writing a proposal and checking my email. I purposely say I'm cleaning the house and after I'm cleaning the house, I'm writing in my journal and after I write in my journal, I'm taking a bubble bath and after I take a bubble bath or while I'm taking a bubble bath, I'm meditating, right? So there's certain things you can multitask on, but if you want to focus on your self-care time, you have to purposely make time for that. I'm not saying you have to give yourself hours or a whole day. Some of us aren't lucky enough to have all that time. But if you do want to be intentional about it, be intentional about it. I try to make Sundays my chill self-care day or my cleaning and self-care day. And I do that on purpose in that way. Um, So try to figure it out the best you can, but also have grace with yourself because you're, you're being hard on yourself because all these things that we've gone through or that you've experienced in your life and I have no idea what they are, are telling you that you don't deserve that. So you have to fight that, right? You already are writing a thesis. That means you're brilliant enough to be at that point. And I don't know you, but that's what you're telling me. So that means that you were brilliant enough to get to that point, which a lot of other people before you had not gotten to. So own that for yourself. I can't make you own that. Your mom can't make you own that. Your sister can't make you own that. You have to honor yourself. And that's the really hard thing to do because people always ask me, like, how do I get confidence in myself? I don't really know how to make anybody confident for themselves. And sometimes I joke that being fat actually gave me that gift of like, I had no choice but to love myself. And so that's why I appreciate things like the play that Karamia did that, what was it called, Pat, your fave? Your Your healing healing is is killing me. me. Um, Because it really reminded me that like self-care is radical for yourself. Um, And a lot of self-care is obviously modeled off after um, like black feminists in the civil rights era. And so I always want to give credit to that as well. Um, But think of it in that way and really consider maybe, you know, again, going to therapy or figuring out different ways to really unpack what's going on with you in a deeper way so that you can give yourself the love you deserve. Um, or try to, cause it's fucking hard. I'm not going to pretend it's easy cause I can talk my shit and I still be sad and lonely at night too. So I'm going to be honest with that as well. Um, however you do have to kind of fight your thoughts and really, um, choose to give yourself the love you deserve. 
Anybody else have anything to add there? You are good enough. Amen. Uh, I always reflect on there's moments where I have received like advice or words that were incredibly impactful that I hold on to until this very day. And I remember one of the things one of my mentors told me was everybody is terrified that they will be discovered as a fraud or that, you know, that they're not good enough or that they that something will happen that, you know, they will be uncovered as this person who was not good enough. Everybody has that. Everybody has that point in their lives when they feel like what they're doing will not suffice to what they want to do. And um, you can't use that as like a, you know, as a measure for yourself uh, or, or for it to hold you back. Like, I think it's part of, you know, the journey for you and it it being so challenging um, will at, at one point serve as the testament of like, you know, what 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 character it created um and who you become as a person because you'll look back and you'll think man you know the things that i gone that i went through like it, it was a lot and you know some some really low lows that um i didn't think i was going to get out of but um it's it's part of the journey for a reason and it's one of those things that um you know people are out here showing you that that it's worth it and that you do matter and that it's that you are good enough and you know You'll, you'll get to a point where you look back and you'll almost share a laugh and be like, why did why did I put myself through that? For sure. Thank you for sharing. Um, I think that's the perfect segue to self-care corner. I sang that all offbeat because I didn't realize what I was doing. I feel like I'm at church now and the priest is singing. All right. Um, I think... That that idea of like you are enough is like the perfect self-care corner. Um, I so I posted it a little bit on my personal account and I think we've talked about it maybe on here briefly. I did a little bit. I, I do share about my therapy I go to. Um, I did some EMDR and it wiped the shit out of me and I think I still feel a little bit anxious from it honestly because it essentially taps you into like one of your darkest points um and so it's honestly kind of scary because I was feeling great right before and then now I'm still shaking up like a day later and I never say that to say to look for pity but I say it because um I don't know maybe that's another trait I have of like I want to valid I don't know if it's a validation thing or like I don't want people to think that because they see all these great things happening to me that like no nothing else bad is happening does that make sense it does um because I don't have to prove myself to anyone but I think because people like people are like oh you're really young and you have all this thing going for you and you're running it and that's so cool and da 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 and it's like I'm also doing a hell of a lot of behind the scenes work and it's very painful and it's not always fun. Um, so I, I've, I'm having to really say things like you are enough and I am strong and I am proud of you and shit like that. That's honestly kind of corny to myself a lot right now. Um, and I recommend it. It helps most, most times. Um, and I've been doing a lot of stretching um, and kind of like massaging myself almost so all of it feels kind of awkward and weird but it does really help and it's kind of meditative 
So I recommend that if there's something that's really bothering you to find a kind of find a phrase that's really going to help you in that moment. Um, because life is freaking hard. And this also goes with something we stated earlier is be really mindful of what you are consuming media wise, because I know if I'm super triggered already watching some dark ass film or something that's going to be really um, triggering is not a good idea. Um, I watched Waves a few weeks ago or months ago with Pat and I was like, okay, but that movie triggered the fuck out of me in every way possible. And I was sad the rest of the day. I could not get it out of my head. I was sobbing throughout the film. And um, late last year, I realized that I'm kind of a healer in some ways. I'm not going to say more about that. I don't really know. I'm discovering it. So I literally latch onto like any emotion around me, which is really unhealthy. And so I'm learning boundaries and all that as well. And I'm sharing too much about myself now. But with that said, you have to be intentional about what you're consuming in these really dark times because everything is really, really unhealthy. (laughs) And so if you want to prioritize yourself and your well-being, you will be more intentional about what you're consuming. Um... And I believe that is my self-care corner for the week. Yay. Upcoming the Colores events. Wow, we have a lot coming up, folks. So we kind of already said what we have going on at the beginning of next month. We are doing a parasite screening on February 5th. So mark your calendars. If you remember last year before the Oscars, we had a... Roma screening and that was a lot of fun and really beautiful honestly I actually really enjoyed that and this year we were like why not do it again with another film um uh, another brilliant film also dealing with capitalism to some degree um or classism in general um so we're gonna do Parasite so we'd love to see y'all here we'll have a discussion after the film um it'll be at the Oakland Cultural Center it will be however on February 5th likely at 7 p.m but we will be here at 6 30 so the film will start by 7 p.m because it's two hours and we want to get people home so they can sleep and live a healthy lifestyle okay Pat and Rafa is there anything I missed there no <coughs> Rafa will you take 214 Selena for me please Sure. 214 Selena, <laughs> our annual event honoring the legacy, the life of the Queen of Tejano, Selena Quintanilla Perez, will be March 27th through the 29th. We have a lot of cool stuff uh, planned, so make sure you uh, plan to attend. Um, you know, we'll be doing the art show. Um, artists, if you have anything that you'd like to submit, Dallas for Selena at Gmail. Um, is the email address. We'll get all of the uh, information for the open call posted um, probably by the time you hear Mm -hmm. this episode. Um, We have the film screening confirmed at Texas Theater Saturday, March 28th at 8 p.m. We'll have the after party. Top 10 Records will be a part of it. Oak Cliff Brewing. Um, Yeah, so we have a lot of cool stuff planned. 27th, 28th, and 29th. Make sure to join us here in Oak Cliff, Texas. uh, And beyond. And beyond for 2 and 4 selena it's so fun i literally kind of have stopped listening to selena 
until this part of the year because yeah. then I listened to too much. Yeah, same. And now my name is Selena fan, so then I feel extra pressure. Selena. And then the Netflix show, and it's just a lot of Selena to consume. And yeah. I still love her dearly, but this is this is the time of year for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about, wow, I really have a problem with repeating phrases that I just ran with for five minutes. All right. So as you can see, we've had quite a few changes and things happening in the world. Um, So I believe last episode we announced the gray space theme and all of that goodness that was happening. And we were really um, excited to kind of dissect the idea of love and the concept of love. Um, And we are still planning on doing that. Um, However, we're segueing a little bit away from that and leaning into um, some awesome women, femmes, ladies. And as you saw from our little quick promo for loving and loving, we are highlighting a lot of Dallas women, femme, um, female identified persons in the upcoming months. So I wanted to give y'all that little preview um, that you'll be seeing over the next few months. We will be having the love themed art show in the summertime. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Moving forward, obviously there's a two one four Selena art submissions you can do um, for the next couple months. And, or if you want to get started on a, lo- a piece with the theme of love that will be happening in the summertime, feel free to do that. And I know our good friend Ari will be working with us again on that. Um, and of course, good old Pat on our Grace Base art show. So I just wanted to announce that we are putting that art show on hold for the moment and pushing that back to summertime and shifting a little bit into um, some awesome, amazing, glorious, hilarious, divine women in our community so there's a lot of bad bitches doing bad shit i didn't know how else to say it but bad bitches is the best term sorry um so i'm running with that um so look forward to that and then with that ah you can leave it it's fine i make mistakes i'm human um we are announcing the women of color comedy show i might have announced that last episode as well but we have changed the date just slightly we are having the women of color comedy show on april 15th that's tax day do your damn taxes um at the bishop arts theater center which is why i was even more excited to hear a little bit about Teresa and her story and bring her in because we're very excited to be working with them for that because it is a woman of color owned theater it can't get any better than that and we're going to be having another round of our amazing comedy show we're going to be spicing things up a little bit adding a few different components i'm very excited it's going to be great (sighs) there's a lot of greatness coming our way and i'm really thrilled so it's going to be a good time and then after that is our three year there's a lot happening there's a lot happening and maybe you'll get a live show somewhere in between do-do-do, yay. All right. We are going to do our brown business of the week and wrap up this show. 
because these always go too long, but y'all like it long. Ding. All right. Pat, do our do our brown business of the week, please. Okay, so um, I had the pleasure. Pleasure? Wow, I can't talk. Pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> I had the pleasure of finally um, meeting and trying um, uh, the Flores Bakehouse. Um started by Ernestina Flores. So I met Ernie. Um, she was super sweet. I met her at the amazing pop-up that Veggie Mijas did. Um, shout out to Destiny and Edith. They did a little um, pop-up here in West Dallas. And um, it was funny because she was like, oh, hey, Pat. Because we like I've been wanting to see them and been following them on Instagram. Um, but I brought some of their dope pan that i think i put you guys i think we all really enjoyed it right it was delicious i want more pan de nopal um but she had like a lot of great flavors she made jam she had cinnamon rolls um she bakes all kinds of goods but yeah like the one that we had is um nopales with like um pumpkin seeds and raisins and all i don't know if she had she had made this cafe de olla bread once Ooh. No, I don't yeah. think she had that. If she ever has it, and y'all see it, buy it. It's worth it. And I got I got little recipe cards for Eva and our sister Susie, oh, like for um, mole cookie recipe. Oh, thanks. That she I did. don't I don't want one. Thanks, though. Do you, you like cook? Do you like baking? <laughs> um, do you not know? He's a banana pudding guru. Banana. <laughs> but anyways, Ernie's super sweet. <laughs> Check her out. Um, I know that she goes to a lot of pop ups. Um. Y'all are miss. But yes, look them up. Florida's Bakehouse. Um, yeah. Do they have batana nut bread? They actually had a choco batana bread. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right. That was a second for, no, for no, no pan. It was. It was super delish. I couldn't stop eating it. Um, shout out to Florida's Bakehouse. Go support them. They're at a lot of pop-ups, like she said. And what's that? Oh, my I have a disease. Do I have Corona? Why do I keep saying with that said, I need a help. Uh, Pat, who the fuck you got? Hurry, go. Um, so wintertime, I tend to listen to a lot of R&B. Um, so I've been listening Damn, to... Damn, are you sure it's because of wintertime, girl? Wow, really? Not I don't thrill- know. <laughs> if you feel attacked, that's all you, not me. Ooh. I mean, no, I really do like listening to like... I don't know, like cold, like and not necessarily cold, because it's still like in your feelings, but not, not like in your feelings, because a lot of the songs I'm still listening to are like post breakup stuff. Um, Sis, are you okay? I mean, yeah, I'm fine. Um, but I've been listening to Am- Ambor Amber Lucid. Um, she's Mexican Dominican from New Jersey, only seventeen, I believe. But she has a couple songs out that I've been listening to that I had on my playlist. That I really liked, and then um, I've been listening to August Eve a lot too, who also released an EP last year. Um, I had seen we'd seen her when she came with Google a couple years ago, but um, I really like the sound that she's doing right now. It sounds almost like Shade, but not mm. as good. But it's synthy, cool vibes. Noise, noise. I'm into that it. I should check it out. I will. Thanks, Pat. Um, I've been listening to a lot of old shit, old rap shit. Um, because it's the winter time. Yeah, because it's the winter time. So, <laughs> you know how I be when it's cold out. I be in my old rap shit. 
Um, and then uh, I had heard this dude Crime Apple rap a few times. He did some freestyle on something, and then um, I'm gonna be honest. This is like your shoelace mint shoe floss in the rap version. Crime Apple. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I I believe he's from Jersey. Um, but I had heard him on a couple of things. I want to say with Vinny Paz, like this some underground, underground hip hop shit. But then, um, shit. my boy info was saying, was telling me that, uh, his album had just come out. So I was listening to it and he's dope. He's got a dope flow. Um, and I believe he's Latinx because he does, you know, he does do a little bit of rhyming in Spanish. Does he say the N word uh, like Aaron Hernandez? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Um, but if you like that, you know, old school vibe, but, you know, still bringing, bringing some heat with it, underground hip hop type shit, uh, crime apple peep game. I'll talk about him in three months when I discover him yeah. after you've announced <laughs> it on this show. Um, I have listened to a lot of things cause I had a lot of time to listen. Um, I, today was listening to burn a boy a lot. Um, who's a lot of fun and his latest album is great. I've also been listening to a lot of fuckboy stuff because I am secretly a fuckboy. Um, I've been listening to a lot of um, 10K Cash, uh, Good Times. I don't know if y'all are into really problematic fuckboy vibes. It's really fun. I enjoy it. Um, I've also been listening to like um, the Queen and Slim soundtrack, which that damn movie but like vince has a really great song on it lauren hill has a really great song on it sid has a really great song on it um ari lennox was back in my damn rotation again some jungle pussies in there um and i haven't listened to the new mac miller i know a lot of people are listening to that and black party that's probably my other one black party is really great um, totally digging his vibe as well. So those are my who jugots. Um, also, oh, I like a lot of things on Netflix too. I like the Explained show, and then there's a Sex Explained with Janelle Monae uh, narrating, which made it that much better. Um, so I encourage viewing that as well because I like little things like that. Yikes! No, I don't. That's not true. Um, that wraps it up for us here at De Colores Radio. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Subscribe and leave us a darn review. Like go to Crime Apple Podcast and rate us five stars and write up a review for us. We'd love to keep growing. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. So please share it with everyone you know. Tweet us or just hit us up. We love hearing from you all. We could not go on without your support. Come out to our event, support our POC businesses, uplift our guests, Go see Loving and Loving. We will be there. I'm excited about it. Tell everyone you love to follow us at The Colores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin, Rafa at Exile. He might tweet once a month now. And Pat at Pat.Arreguin on Instagram. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusti. Our audio editor is Rafael Tamayo. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media or email us. I'm losing my breath. This damn flu. Corona. Collective at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Um, happy 2020, y'all. Um, see you again next time. Bye. Yo.
de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio.